Welcome to the UP Notable Books Club, brought to you by the Upper Peninsula Publisher and Authors Association. Craig A. Brockman is the author of Dead of November, a novel of Lake Superior, and the middle grade novel Marty and the Far Woodchuck. He has been a regular contributor to the UP Reader and other publications. In 2017, an article in the Ontonagon Herald chronicled the final 140 miles of his meandering 450-mile hike across the entire UP, from the dock at Detour Village to a sandbar in the mouth of the Montreal River. Craig currently lives with his wife in Tecumseh, Michigan. So, without any further ado, I want to introduce Craig A. Brockman, who is, yes, the author of Dead of November. And I don't know the rest of you, but I thought it was, oh my gosh, it was it was great. For this time of year, it was just the perfect choice. I don't know how your weather is, but it's been rainy and yucky all day. It's just the perfect day to talk about this book. So Craig, share with us. Okay. Everything okay? Am I here? You're there. Up and at them. Uh, yeah, I, uh, let me uh, share my, pull up my share, my screen here if I can. I think I'm over here. All right. Can you see that? Okay. Uh, am I clear, Evelyn? I'm coming through, right? I muted myself. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're obedient. You're just being obedient, right? I was being obedient. <laughs> yes, you're very clear. So if everybody okay, all right, let's 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 get the show on the road. Um, yeah, if if you uh, can, I just I put a couple of little housekeeping here. If you see that little microphone uh, uh, icon down there, if you just could shut that off, uh, because if your chair <laughs> creaks or something, your face is going to come up, and we're not we're not going to be sure if that's a creaking chair or what it is. So um, uh, just mute, please. Uh, the other thing is, if you could, uh, if you want to chat, if you want to ask a question. Uh, you could, you, there's a chat icon on the bottom. If you click on that, there should be a drop down menu. Wait a minute, let me get a pointer here. Uh, there should be a drop down menu here uh, that says everyone. If you click on that, uh, I think Evelyn and Victor, they should be on that list. And then you can uh, send them a message, just type in there and send them a question. And then they can ask me as we go along. If you have anything um, more ur uh, urgent, you want to raise your hand and ask a question, just look at those on the bottom and it says uh, reactions. Click on that. It says raise your hand. And I think, Evelyn, you can see that, I think. And right. And uh, then you can just uh, click on that and uh, raise your hand and then Evelyn can butt in. Uh, I don't care if you interrupt. I have about 25 minutes or half an hour, I think I've got it. And then I hope we have some time that we can just talk and uh, I can answer any questions that you have or you can kick in anything that you're thinking about. If you wanna ask me, how come I did this or this, tell me that doesn't make sense. Or um, I've been to this place and it doesn't seem like anything like that. Or if you want to talk about ghosts, that's good too. So, well, I hope we have fun. I hope that uh, this time rolls on. What I'm going to give you here is kind of like a behind the scenes, you know, like if you go uh, see a movie uh, behind the scenes, that's kind of what I'm doing with this. I uh, used a bunch of images uh, for, for my book, Dead in November. And I did some different things and I'll, I'll just kind of click through some of those things that I had stored. 
And I hope that it's interesting for you if you read the book. If you haven't read the book, I hope I don't have it too many spoilers in it. Uh, and I hope it encourages you to, to give it a read. I just reread it myself about two weeks ago. I hadn't actually read it for about two and a half years because it's quite a process from that time. And it was so much fun to go back to that world and revisit those characters and get acquainted with them. It's just like old friends. And I had forgotten a lot of the scenes and some of the things that developed in the book. And it was so much fun to go back and uh, read it again and enter that world. It took me probably five years to write the book. I had it in my head for 10 years or so. Um, uh, and finally, I, I put it together and finished it up. Uh, I started in, um, sorry, I started back in, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, you can, can you see these notes? As apparently you can see these notes, huh? Maybe I better just go full screen. Um, am I, Evelyn, can you tell me if I'm on full screen or where I'm at with this? Right now I can see your notes. Okay, let me try a different. Uh, now I just see you. Okay, and, well, that's not good. <laughs> Let's try this here. I'll try it. I'll see if I can remember. I'll try to remember my notes and just wing it. So, okay. Uh, let me see what I can do. So that should be a full screen now, right? Oh, yes. yes. Very good. Okay. And then here we go. Yeah. Bio, I, I guess I, I, I started out um, graduate. I went to, uh, grew up in Wisconsin. I uh, went to college at Oshkosh, University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh. I was a family nurse practitioner, uh, graduated with my master's in primary care. And I always had an interest in Native Americans because I grew up uh, surrounded by a Winnebago, uh, now they're called Ho-Chunk um, uh, settlement in central Wisconsin. Um, but I went right into the Indian Health Service, uh, went to the uh, um, reservation in uh, Red Lake, Minnesota. Uh, way up north in Minnesota. We were there for a year and then transferred to the Sioux. Uh, while I was there, it was like spent time mostly in Sault Ste. Marie, Bay Mills, Manistique, Munising, at the different native clinics and even on Mackinac Island did some physicals and stuff. Um, but that was kind of my career in the 20 years or so that we were up in the UP. Um, this is a, actually, it's not very common that you actually get to see the moment of inspiration <laughs> that launches a novel. Uh, now, this isn't gonna be an hour of uh, grandparent slides, but sort of, uh, this is my, these are my two granddaughters. Uh, this was about 10 years ago, actually. Naomi's 21 now and Micaiah's 18, she's over in Germany. And um, Naomi's just about to graduate with her uh, degree in airline mechanics. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Uh, bragging aside, then the uh, we're her the two girls Sally, my wife and I uh, took them up to the UP for a week, and this is the shallows. You know that starts out the prologue of the book, uh, be south of paradise, and we're at the shallows. And you can uh, let me see if I can bring up. All right. Yeah, I thought I could. Uh, oh, there it is. Pointer. And okay, now you can see that pointer. And uh, right about here is where that um, sandbar emerges some years and you can kind of walk out there and you can spend the whole day on this big sandbar, just a beautiful beach, the shallows. Um, and then actually you get past that sandbar and it gets pretty deep, but scattered all around um, there 
if you can see this little dot above Micaiah's head, that's, that's a rock out there. And uh, there's all these rocks that are kind of scattered on the, at the shallows. And while I was standing there, we could see the storm coming, uh, the storm was coming up behind us. And um, the storm was coming up behind us and it was lightning scary. And we had a heck of a time getting the girls out of the water, of course. And I just felt that tension. I thought, wow, that'd be a cool place to start a book. And I just imagined, what if somebody was sitting on that stone, you know, and that gave me the idea of the ghosts coming out of Lake Superior, leaving Lake Superior. And I thought, what if somebody had been sitting out there on that stone the whole time we had been there? So that this photograph is almost like the uh, moment of inspiration that I uh, uh, started the book. Um, this is was an early synopsis that I used. This is uh, Scrivener. It's a writing tool. And I kind of, uh, there's different ones, but I like Scrivener to start things off and then I transfer things into Word. Um, but with Scrivener, you can kind of lay out all the chapters. This was the earliest synopsis that I had um, where it says something is forcing spirits of the drowned to flee Lake Superior. Psychologist is called upon to return to Michigan's Upper Peninsula to help with those affected by the growing hysteria caused by these sightings. He has another motive for returning to find resolution for the grief he has carried in the years since his wife went missing in these same cold, deep waters. He uncovers a dream world controlled by forces older than the ancient people who have inhabited the land, and he must stop a conjuring that will release an unspeakable evil from the lake. That's pretty close to what it ended up being. I really had no intention of having anything Native American in it. I wanted to try to avoid that because it seemed kind of cliche, but I just couldn't help it. It just kind of worked into the story as things uh, as we went along. Um, this is another view of uh, Scribner, uh, how that lays out. So I wrote vignettes, you know, it's kind of like, what would I, what did I want to see? You know, and, and when you think about what do you want to see in a ghost story about Lake Superior? So I would write these vignettes, you know, and writers call them scenes, but I thought of them as vignettes. And uh, there's a couple of them that I wrote really early, like Cam in the cabin um, and things like that. And the, like the drive, uh, the final climactic drive up to the point. Um, that I actually was visiting up in the UP, staying in a cabin, doing writing this, and I had a handheld a few years ago, one of those handheld digital recorders, and I drove from Sault Ste. Marie up to the point at night when it was windy and just recorded what I my thoughts, you know, what it would be like, how spooky that was, going along Curly Lewis Highway there by the shallow. So, and then I kind of transferred that onto into that. Uh, kind of uh, final scene. Uh, but Scribner is really cool because you can lay out your, you can move these chapters around, you can mix and match them. Um, and then down here, there's kind of a research bucket where I kept my, uh, my research as I moved along through the house, through the building. Um, I use an iPad with a split screen. I can, I have a, a little um, Bluetooth keyboard that I attach to that. And with a split screen, I can write over here, keep my research there and just write away. And like, this is the mansion. I could just be walking through the mansion while I was writing um, at the same time. Um, this is, uh, I, I have a bunch of images because I was a singer songwriter in back in the day. And so my writing kind of merged from so lyrics and songwriting. And so I want, I, I 
to write lyrics, you have to be real concise. You have to be able to lay character, scene, ambience, and everything in just a phrase or a couple of lines. And so I think real visually in like my, my songs that were like photographs, you know, and, and good lyrics are kind of like put photographs or put images into your mind. And that's kind of, I like using images when I'm writing and bring them up. And same with music. I, when I was writing about being on the water, I would, I was using uh, the theme, the soundtrack from the Titanic and stuff like that. So you get that uh, water kind of sense. This is uh, on actually in Sault Ste. Marie. It's on Water Street, uh, right across from Brady Park. This is a what used to be a, a bed and breakfast, um, and it's not anymore. And I, when I was working at the clinic there, we had a meeting here, and then my wife and I went back, and uh, she gave us a tour. The woman gave us a tour of the place. It's really beautiful Airbnb or bed and breakfast. Uh, and ironically, right next to this, this brick building right next to it is uh, the oldest building in Sault Ste. Marie, and it's actually a private residence, but you kind of put those two together and I kind of have the idea of that infirmary next to the uh, old inn. The other thing that's really cool that people don't realize is that old infirm, there actually is an old infirmary in Sault Ste. Marie that is an apartment building and people don't even realize that they're living in an old infirmary from the Fort Brady. Um, I'm, I, I can't completely vouch for this, but I, when we lived there, we used to go buy this. Um, but this, one of these was uh, part of an old hospital, is either the hospital, an old hospital or uh, the, actually the infirmary, because they're really old. And uh, but I just thought it was really spooky to think that you had an apartment in an old infirmary. So I, I moved in my book, I moved the infirmary next to the end to make it kind of uh, weird. But some people thought it's just implausible. Why do you have that weird infirmary right in the middle of the town? But actually that's it, there. It's actually is, it's uh, right by the courthouse in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Um, other images. Oh, I took, um, again, I like I said, I like images. And so all I did here was just Google um, a mansion uh, in the snow because I wanted uh, a certain look for that in. And so I Googled the mansion in the snow and I just went through a whole bunch of these thumbnails. That's why they're kind of grainy in that. Some of these are just thumbnails. I went through all these uh, mansions in the snow and this is the one that I modeled the mansion in the book after you see this huge porch, the side with all the light you know, coming in on the side and the three stories with the spire here. Um, that's, this is what I imagined the, um, the end to, to look like. Um, I also uh, also did this. Uh, this is kind of, again, I just Googled this and a porch in the snow. And this is the image that I used to, when I drew the, the porch, the front porch where Adam first arrives in that early November snow and uh, walks up to the porch. It just has that warm kind of embracing uh, attitude. I also had other photos that I used to draw the end. Uh, this is actually the floor plan of the inn. Uh, all I did is Google mansion floor plans and I came up with these. Uh, uh, this is the one that seemed to be the closest to what I wanted to use. And you can actually walk in here. Here's the, uh, the drawing room. Here's the library. You go through these doors. Down the hallway, kitchen's way here, down here. Here's the servant stairs. And then the second floor going upstairs. So this is, I finally found this floor plan. This is actually from, I think it's called the Albert Cluett House in uh, Troy, yeah, New York. And it doesn't look anything at all like the mansion I was imagining. 
but the floor plan works. So it's a cool thing for writing now. You can just Google this stuff and be able to, and with using the Scrivener, you can have it right there. So you're writing right off of a, a page like that. This interior just kills me because this, we were actually there. This is the Hegler Karras mansion in LaSalle, Illinois. And when we go back to Wisconsin, uh, Star uh, Rock is near LaSalle, Illinois, west of Chicago. And we stay at, out at the inn at Starved Rock is kind of uh, like Pokagon, if you've been to, uh, or some of these big um, uh, inns that were built during the CCC era. We stay there and then we toured this mansion. And this isn't a, the thing that's cool about this is that that mansion is a preservation. It's not a restoration. So it's just the way they found it basically. So you walk through this, re, the ambience in here is just amazing with the um, chip ceilings and everything else. And if you look it up online, Hegler Karras Mansion, there's a lot of other pictures of the interior, but it's an amazing uh, place to walk through. And this was the photo that I used for the front uh, entry, that long hallway. Um, and like right to the right is the, would be the library or the, the sitting room and then the library and the stairs going up in the dark. Uh, but this is kind of what I imagine the inside of the inn uh, to look like. This is what that place, Hegler Karras, actually looks like. And I thought about using that initially for the inn, but uh, it just looked too um, cliche um, ghost story house. And it just looked too cold. And I wanted a place that looked kind of warm and inviting. Um, this is the uh, key, the research vessel uh, key. And this is actually on Lake Superior. And some of you may have seen this. It's out of Ashland, Wisconsin, and it applies the lake. Uh, doing research. Um, this is what was my inspiration for uh, Ron Jarvin's um, Sam, uh, Samantha, her, his niece, where she's interned on this ship. You can see you can walk up here and in the cabin and this is the uh, winch of terror at the back of the ship. And uh, but this is kind of this key, I called it the kite in the book, but this you can on the, if you go on YouTube, and put RV Key um, YouTube video. There's a really cool about 15 or 20 minute video that shows you the day-to-day -day life on this uh, research vessel. So I really learned a lot. I consulted a lot with, uh, there's a friend of ours, actually it was my son's friend when he was in high school in Brimley. Um, but he's a, this guy is a native fisherman and now I think he works for the state fisheries. Um, he helped me a lot with some of the research vessel stuff and like with the ships and with boating, because I know nothing about that stuff. Um, but he helped me, like there's a chapter where this Danny Sales character gets in the boat and he goes up north uh, with a little, on his little, on a toot, on his drunk uh, up north. And uh, he, I had to ask Skip, that was the friend of ours, how, you know, how long would it take to go from Sault Ste. Marie up there? Could you do that in a day? And would you do that in November? And those kinds of questions. So I had, people like that to consult with. I had um, the Scottish woman, Maggie Stewart, was actually modeled after a friend of ours that lives up there by Ken Ross. <clears throat> and I called her up, I called her up and I said, I'm sorry that I, if you're offended, I used your name for, for Maggie Stewart for, for a book. And I, the character kind of reminded me of you. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. My name was Maggie Cooper when I was growing up. And so, so at least I didn't have to get worried about being sued by uh, Maggie Stewart uh, for using her name. So, but a lot of weird little stuff like that happens. I had 
for the native stuff, I consulted with a woman named Wanda Perrin. I actually saw her family when I worked for Indian Health Service. I saw her kids and, and stuff, but Wanda became uh, actually her friend, her daughter is a friend of our daughters and hung out together. And Wanda gave me the idea that dead or uh, uh, bear walker, bear walk and some of those things. Um, but she dropped a lot of really cool native lore stuff that I could, could use and was a good consultant in building some of the native lore stuff so there are a couple of people like that i i knew the security guard at the uh bay mills casino and he helped me with some of the casino stuff so you don't realize going into a book that you're going to make connections with all these people you know that was one of the neatest discoveries was that writing a book means creating connections you know and that was that was awesome it still is still is you know uh this is just the layout for that i used for the ship because i again i knew nothing about how ships were or how tight these quarters are down below and so i needed a little map of how to write uh being on a ship this um was really cool um there it was called the anchorman and sericeles were two ships that sunk uh in uh november 24th 1918 and they um they were actually built in fort williams ontario and uh, the French had uh, commissioned these two, uh, three, actually there are three ships. They sent French sailors over to get the ships. They launched from uh, Fort Williams, Ontario in um, 1918. And two of the ships, the Inkerman and the Sericeles sunk and all 76 of the men were lost. The sailors and two Canadians were lost. So these are, I had, I had no idea what uh, French sailors would look like in the in 1918. Uh, so I googled that, and they're the ghosts in uh, Jan Jarvan, the guy that lives on the North Shore. And so I used these figures to draw those ghosts in the of the French uh, sailors. So some people thought, oh, well, how do you have French sailors on Lake Superior? But that actually did uh, with the with the sinking of that ship. I was writing that chapter with him, Jan Jarvan. Um, carving in the really that dark den and my daughter or grand, granddaughter was is speaks does french and she's really into french songs like the old torch song, singers and stuff and my wife was listening to those on the other end of the house and it was kind of streaming through the house and i uh while i was typing i thought wow that would be perfect to introduce that uh music into this book to give it so much more ambience and so setting that french music in the background gave me the idea to bring in the sailors from the Inkerman and sericeles and so that's that's how that chapter was created as a vignette and kind of almost standalone chapter too so again behind the scenes stuff uh, this uh so i my my Google skills increased tremendously while I was here. So I had a couple of characters that I had a little bit of a hard time getting my head around. I had to see them. And so believe it or not, I just put their name, the name of the character in and Googled them. And so I wanted to see who would come up or what would come up. And in this guy, I put in Ron Jarvin. I thought, what would Ron Jarvin, what would a Ron Jarvin look like? You can even see the Ron here on his uh, Home Depot apron. But he had the eyes of the character, the Ron Jarvin character in the book, I thought. He has a kind of sadness and sincerity, uh, except the Ron Jarvin is probably a little thinner maybe and has a beard and longer hair. But 
this I used this guy when I was writing about Ron Jarvin. So that that was kind of a trick. Uh, was actually look up people. The other person I had a little bit trouble getting a vision on was Gracie Bird, who probably is my favorite character in the book. And this is the person I used for Gracie Bird. Again, I just Googled young Native American woman because I needed somebody. I had somebody for Julie, the Adam's wife. I knew somebody up there that I kind of modeled her after, but I didn't have a good sound because uh, Gracie Bird is, you don't, doesn't come out in the book, but she's actually biracial. And if I develop this theme a little further, there's a reason why she's biracial. And so I needed somebody with this sort of mischievous look in her eyes and this kind of mystery. And when I wrote about Gracie, this is the person that I was uh, kind of thinking about. So that's Gracie Bird. The other thing with Gracie Bird is her name actually comes from uh, uh, Zikala Sa, who's Red Bird. She's an amazing woman in her, in her own right. Uh, Gertrude Simmons Bond in her was a Christian name. Uh, she lived from 1876 to 1938. Uh, if you get a chance to look her up, she's incredible. She was a composer. She wrote the first uh, native, first native to write a concert. Uh, she was a writer, she was a speaker, an activist, um, an amazing woman in her own right. And uh, if you get a chance to look up Redbird, um, just do a little background on her. And uh, But I, I named Gracie Bird in honor of uh, uh, Redbird. So that's kind of cool. Uh, okay, this is uh, actually, uh, Agua Rock. I'd like to know in, in discussion time if anybody else has ever been out there. Um, I think it's open now. It's in Canada. It's about an hour and a half or two hours north of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Um, and it's uh, somebody I talked to before COVID, they said it was still open. I thought it had been closed down because a couple of people have drowned off here been washed off there by waves. They used to have railings here, um, but then the railings were taken down and were broke but by ice. Um, but I thought it was closed down, but somebody said it might be open again. But this is Agua Rock. That was the inspiration uh, for James Graves and for the, uh, for the great links. Um, there actually is that uh, crevice where you walk down through it that I mentioned in the book. Uh, this, uh, the lore says that this was split open by the tail of Mitsubishi, the great lynx. And, uh, but it's really eerie to walk down through this really deep rock cavern. Uh, and then eventually you come out to where the um, pictographs are. This one always fascinated me. We had been there, we went, we went up there a couple of times when we lived over there. Uh, but this is uh, Mitsubishi uh, mentioned in the book, and I just think it's, it's probably was painted on there. They think maybe it's fought long as 500 years ago um, by uh, Miengen. Uh, maybe the, a couple of these may be only uh, like a couple hundred years old. They have never really figured out what the paint is or how they got the stuff to stick on there. But the creature alone is amazing when you think about 500 years ago. Why would he put these big horns on? I, you know, I maybe buffalo horns wasn't his inspiration because he has ears so it's not the pointed lynx ears and the other thing i was fascinated fascinated me even more was the spines down the back they didn't you know this would have been hundreds of years before the first dinosaur skeletons were discovered or anything and there was no no creatures other than a snapping turtle 
in the wild that would have these spines down the back. So I think it's an amazing mythological creature. And I, I don't know if we'll ever understand where this, uh, where this came from, but I was always fascinated with Mitsupaju and that's why I worked, worked uh, the creature into the book. Uh, I think, oh yeah, I found this uh, picture about uh, last year, I think it's a National Geographic. This is a picture that they took uh, um, of leopards that dive for fish. And I didn't know that leopards dove for fish, but they said that cougars could do that, may do that too. But this look on the face, and I just thought the fact that native people lived with wild animals and the threat of actually being attacked and eaten. I put a little shaman, a shaman down here, sinking into the deeps of the water. And this, uh, imagine that giant lynx and why that, you know, because when you, when you conceptualize it at first, you think, well, that's kind of a weird mythological creature, a giant uh, wildcat. But when you think of the horror and how, what the native people, how they would have conceptualized cougars and stuff at that time, and uh, lynx, that, I guess it kind of makes sense. And this creature certainly looks that evil. So I think that's about all that I had. Um, I could use about a half an hour like I thought I would. Um, but I, I really hope um, that you guys enjoyed the book. If you haven't read it yet, um, hope you can dig into it because it's, it's kind of a cool trip. Um, um, I'm kind of, right now um, I'm at, I finished another book, but it's a kind of a detour uh, spiritually. And I, it's about um, what, if, uh, what if, it's about Lazarus that was risen from the dead. And I just was inspired kind of by uh, Anne Rice's uh, uh, vampire books and how the vampires long for more uh, mortality. And so I thought, We'll flip that and from a kind of a Christian perspective, what if Lazarus uh, didn't die again, but went on living for centuries. So I wrote that book and I'm kind of, I uh, had Tyler edited it, Tyler Tischler uh, did a great job. And, uh, but I, I struggled, I'm str I struggled a little bit with the organization of it and stuff. So I'm working with a, a developmental editor a little bit. And so I'll back up for a few months and probably Re, uh, restarted again. So that, but that book's done. It's about 400 pages. And then I've just started another one that's actually a uh, prequel, I think, if I can get it off the ground. But I've got about 7,000 words. I, I, for um, the UP reader, I <coughs> wrote a short story called A Fairy and Berry Can and actually introduced, actually wove Duane, uh, Gracie Bird's sister, brother, into that short story. And so what, I, what I'm doing with this other book is a prequel to Dead in November. And it, it actually talks about where Duane and Gracie came from. It introduces um, Gracie's mother, the white doe, and goes into how she died and that, that whole thing. And so it's kind of more of a childhood view of Duane and Gracie. And then I'm trying to work it almost, you know, the kind of like a stand by me or that kind of a thing uh, with a, uh, more of a not not I don't want a middle grader or a young adult book but it's it's through a child's point of view kind of, but uh, but like dead in November it uses a lot of dream and fantasy and that kind of stuff so that's the one I'm working on now and I hope to have that done by next year but things are kind of moving ahead on that happy to say so that's my that's my thing see ya bye <laughs> okay
any questions anything else that anybody uh i'm gonna stop my share here yep. share done wow well i i have questions but does anyone else have any questions first i was really excited when i saw LaSalle, illinois oh, um, right. i grew up i grew oh. up right in that area and oh, i've been cool. to star rock many times and heard the story of the tribes and and how they starved them out on the rock <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah yeah starved rock is amazing because it's got all those if you go stay you know we stay at the lodge the lodge is beautiful and there's they have cabins in that there too and uh, it's just it's not actually i don't know it's probably about four hours from here five hours and then uh, but for us going back to wisconsin it's a halfway point but there's if you there's hiking there where you go to these amazing waterfalls and through these huge canyons uh all, nobody realized that in the middle of illinois is all this splendor um and then then la salle is really cool too it's a really neat old town and the, the I actually Man. lived in in Ottawa, and so yeah. LaSalle and Ottawa were big football rivals. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. So, um, yeah. but it, yeah, it was kind of ironic because I lived in Ottawa, Illinois, when I was growing up, and then I lived in Tawas, Michigan, for 19 years, and both of those are named for the same Indian tribe. Oh, really? the Odawa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess that's part of me somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Go back. Yeah. Yeah, Tavis is, is great. Tavis is one of our vacation destinations. I like to go up there. There's cabins up there that are good to rent for for writing. So I like Tavis area is yeah, one of our favorite. Nice beautiful. Yeah, I was up there just uh, just last spring. I spent a few days up there writing. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Laura wrote here in the chat. Well, what are you working on now? And I think. Yeah. That's all that, that prequel, like I said, that's the one I'm just getting into now, but I'm doing a pretty deep, another once over of this, uh, La the Lazarus book, I call it Curve of the Earth. Uh, I'm doing kind of a deep once over on that again to try to rethink the characters and the settings a little bit and put a little bit more emotionality into it. Um, what I did, you know, I, I nobody wants to read a memoir about an old old guy uh, except larry bougie i just released one that looks spectacular he's a uppa member but uh so i never wanted to write a, a memoir but i over the years i've journaled a lot you know and so i wanted to get these ideas in there so i take this character lazarus and kind of put a bunch of my ideas on this lazarus guy and um and have him living for like six or seven centuries going through wars and battles and all kinds of things and struggles and strife and losing his faith and and that kind of stuff so that one um, um that's that one i really want to get right and um dead in november was a, a good really fun as far as learning the process of novel writing and how to improve on that um but the one that i'm the dead in november is really or I mean, uh, curve of the earth. This next one really has to be laid out well. The one I'm excited as soon as I get done with that, I'm going to hand that over to the developmental editor at the end of this month, and she'll work on that for a couple months, month or so. But then I can dig into the uh, prequel to Dead in November, and that's the one I'm really excited about because that one deals just I you get. <laughs> Like for Dead in November was so much research and this Lazarus one was just an amazing, you know, I had to know everything about the Mediterranean for the first four or five centuries. And then he travels in Europe and Ireland and Egypt and 
uh, this Lazarus character kind of really gets around. And so I, it took me months and months of research to um, build this whole world. And there's kind of a fan, fantasy element to it uh, with some uh, you know, immortals that are pursuing him and, and stuff. And so it, it gets pretty complex. So I want a book where I can just write for fun. And the prequel to Dead in November will be just a more of a fun kind of fantasy with kids involved. I really like kids. So yeah. and I like that perspective. So I have sort of a specific question about the book. And maybe again, like maybe this was just me not reading it like I should have, but could you talk a little bit about why was it Adam burned Cam's house down? I felt that was a little much i don't know yeah <laughs> good point <laughs> i thought it was complete yeah it was like out of character for adam you know and i think that he he was just so i think he was so over cam because cam had had an affair with yeah with, with his wife you know and so he was so upset that he just he just wanted to strike out at cam i guess that's how i saw it and so he went in there and he was like done with cam he was done with his wife julie in a way uh, he was just sick of it. And so he just put the note on the bed and burned it. He was done with it. So, Because I actually had to reread it. Like, am I reading this? Like, it just didn't seem like something he would do, you know? So I don't know. It, but that's good. It kept me on my toes. Oh, I appreciate it. Because I, I think there there may be a point. There's some things I, I when I, like I said, I just reread it now. And there's a couple of things I would tweak, I think, uh, if I did another edition, you know, and some things like, because especially being my first adult novel, I, I had really good beta readers, really some native people and some that read the whole thing. And so I had really good beta readers this, for this one. Um, and so uh, they really helped me to get my thoughts on paper, you know, and that was the problem that I had is that I... I had it in my head the way it should work, but I didn't. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know that I wasn't saying it. Just like that example that you're giving is like, why? Why would Ad, that seems out of character to Adam to do something like that? But he's kind of desperate, and he's yeah. just like completely used up. It's like I think after that he drives by the casino in Bay Mills, and it's just like nothing to see here. I'm done. You know, yep. just the, the <laughs> TV cameras have showed up, or the TV. The news cameras are showed up and stuff like that. And he just said, I'm done. I don't want I don't want anything to do with it anymore. So and he just kind of I, on the other hand, I didn't see it as as out of character because it would kind of had been building through the whole book, you know, the angst that he was going through. And when he learned the truth, it was sort of like something just let loose. And so yeah. for me it, it it seemed like, I mean, yeah, it was way over the top for his normal personality, but he was experiencing something that he never expected, you know, and to find out that, you know, his wife had actually really committed suicide. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I've, you know, dealt with some of those issues, you know, on our family before. So to me, it, it, it seemed logical to me i don't know maybe i'm just weird i know the book deals with death and loss and i know that at that moment again being uh, uh i being a nurse practitioner it was like there i had you know thousands of con you know probably saw twenty thousand patients in my career and so i had a lot of those moments where you're talking to, in counseling you know even that opening scene 
uh, that one scene where Adam is counseling the woman where the, his, her granddaughter had died in her home. That, that was from an experience I actually had in counseling somebody. And that was, I wrote that from that, that experience. And so that, that death and loss was kind of really at the top of my, my thinking. And when somebody commits suicide, you really feel betrayed, you know, and I think that I wanted to kind of express that initially is that Adam felt betrayed. You know that because Julie quit. You know, and she didn't wasn't the kind of person that would normally quit, and she quit. So, um, but I don't know, it's, it's all that stuff is just riled up. I didn't want it to be clean. You know, I didn't want it to be just oh everything's resolved. You know, um, there's now I have closure. I didn't want any place in the book where he had closure. You know, I wanted it just to end the way that those things really end. You know, just ugly. Yeah, that's you know, I had. A book that I'm working on right now, someone was talking about how there wasn't closure. And I'm like, but life doesn't always have closure. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I guess I could relate to you there. Yeah, thanks. I have a question about this. Now, um, <clears throat> people drowned, came out of the lake, but then it seemed like the lake was going to turn over is and I sort of got the idea they came out because the, the lake was gonna and I think every year lakes turn over they get the top goes to the bottom yeah. so um and I think that had to do with all the uh different colors and stuff at the end and that was yeah. all going on and 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 then but there's like would these people go back into the lake would these ghosts like go back into the lake when it was over and and the yeah, i i was i thought of it more that no they're done you know i i guess when i first started this first seeds of putting this that idea together i actually looked around and i realized that every continent really does have a great lake you know and i thought well that's pretty cool and then so i got the idea that these each great lake is like a repository of evil. And so all this evil is being dumped into this great lake until it finally like bursts, you know, it's kind of a crazy idea, but it kind of bursts and explodes and releases all this evil. And the evil is almost like penance or something. And the evil is atoned, you know, and wiped clean. And so I thought of the evil is growing and growing, you know, and, and the Mitsubishi, the great links was almost like a, just a manifestation of all the turmoil that was going on. The, Mitsubishi just kind of emerged. He wasn't really the turmoil. He was more or less just a symptom of what's going on. This evil was getting ready to dump out of the lake and it just, you know, burst like a big pimple, I guess. And so, <laughs> uh, but I thought, can I use those other, you know, I made up those other examples about uh, Lake Bacal in Russia and stuff like that, going through a similar process where all this evil is being dumped into the lake and then explodes out. I just thought it was a cool way. I needed some device to get those ghosts out of the lake. And so that, that evil kind of, um, just the evil growing, I guess, is what I was thinking, was expelling the ghosts from the lake. So that's my, but I, you would be amazed, you know, when you, if you have like 12 beta readers and it's like, you're, you're going along and it's just like, how did you get that idea that this, you know, <laughs> that this happened in that way? I didn't mean that at all, you know, but it's not wrong. It's just, it's really fun to see that people, even though you intended a novel to go a certain way, that they, they found their own path through it. I just, I think that's kind of fun. You know, and I think that's, that's one of the fun things about being 
a reader uh, versus a writer, you know, a reader, you can, it's your book when you're reading it, you can do whatever you want. So, yeah. Okay. I think that's why I like reading more than going to the movies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because you can uh, create your own path, you know, yeah. I yeah. like what you said yeah. about um, creating these characters. It reminds me of years and years ago when I was teaching English, that that was an assignment that I used to do is I would bring in these great big phone books and I would have them pick a name out of the phone book and then make a character. And I always wanted to meet the man who used to live around here named Weewaho. He must have been an Asian guy, but every every class would find him. Everybody wrote about Weewaho. And I wanted to see you know, what he was really like because there was so many different. So... But it was neat to see, I think, all, the, all of your inspiration. That's We haven't seen that yet in our Zoom meetings. So that was good. I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. Craig, I've got a question. Towards the end of the book, you've got kind of a uh, Indian Bureau of Investigation or something like that. Uh, that seemed like an interesting idea. Oh, muted. Craig, you're muted. I'm sorry. There you go. I'm back. Um, yeah, I don't know how I came up with that. I just uh, I wanted to go deep, you know, like when I showed you that synopsis, I wanted something that was before the, the you know, because people don't realize that um, the, the native natives were like fluid on the continent, you know, and it was like the Menominees used to be in the um, uh, the Menominees used to be the people around Sault Ste. Marie and then the uh, Ojibwe came and pushed them out. And then the Ojibwe were in Sault Ste. Marie. So the Menominees had to go somewhere else. They went to Wisconsin. So there's always that movement. And that, um, I guess that that's, that's kind of uh, what I was thinking about. So what was your question again? Come back to it again. I got distracted. I'm sorry. Uh, mainly it was, uh, you have kind of an Indian Bureau yeah. of Investigation. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I wanted it to be older than something going on that was older than the native population is there now. So I wanted it to be kind of, uh, yeah, just, they were like the protectors of the lake, you know, they're like ancient, ancient, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I was thinking about. Ron Jarvin was kind of like the, uh, he was uh, kind of like a, the historian, you might say of Lake Superior and of lakes. And then this native group was kind of like, designed to be the protectors. And I think it would be a cool idea because Gracie Bird was my favorite character in the book. And I, if I wrote a uh, sequel, I'd write it about her, you know, something where that, like you said, I, cause I think that um, the whatever <laughs> native FBI or whatever it was would be an interesting thing to carry a little bit further. I think you could get awfully deep with that idea, so. I once had an idea for where my Sally and I or my wife were walking in the woods close by here and we found a piece of coal and laying in the woods but around Tecumseh there's all these old uh, mine or old uh, lumber places and everything else and it's just kind of weird and I got an idea what if what if the Native Americans had discovered all these resources in the United States like coal and copper and uh, made you know made gunpowder and everything else and almost had like a steampunk society by the time Columbus landed and he, they blew them out of the water with cannons. With and so they could even have balloons or air flight and everything else and that the native population, because the Native American 
continent, this continent was so isolated from the rest of the world, anything could have been happening in the meantime. So, uh, but that was a crazy idea. And that, that kind of takes that uh, private native uh, thing to another level, I guess. So anyway. Tyler yeah. had a question. I don't know. Yeah, um, Craig, well, first I, I really enjoyed um, seeing how you came up with inspiration for the characters and, and like how you, went out looking for photos, which I've never done myself, but I think that's, well, I write lots of historical stuff, so I usually know what the, some of my characters look like, but I found that really interesting. But my question is, um, I know you consulted a lot of Native Americans in writing the book, but I'm wondering what kind of response you got from Native Americans, and also just kind of uh, what, like what have been some of the more surprising responses you've gotten to the book? Yeah, good question. Yeah. Wanda, um, I mentioned Wanda Perrin, and they, they go way back to, uh, we probably have known them, wow, well, Katie, yeah, about 30 years almost, and so, like I said, I saw the kids when, has, uh, when I was a uh, nurse practitioner, and then uh, Katie was a friend of my daughter's, and so Katie now is, a, is the school principal uh, at uh, Fenton, and she, she was the dean at uh, Bay Mills College too for a while. So I, she was one of my beta readers and picked up on that. And so um, I had her mom and dad read it, or I didn't ask for it, but she wanted her mom to read it because it had the native culture in it. And so they, um, they took the book, they took the manuscript and they started reading it when they left Katie's, which is in Fenton. And they read Wanda read the whole thing out loud to uh, to Mike, her husband, on the way back, and they they sat in the car outside their house and read the rest of it aloud uh, uh, before they went in the house. And so they were they couldn't stop reading it. And so and that's I don't know why, but that's the response I've gotten from almost every Native person that's read it. They really were engaged by it because uh, I I tried to make I the thing I wanted to avoid was this perspective of Native people as being uh, like uh, some kind of uh, sacred, untouchable, mystical people. I wanted them to be regular people who had this kind of profound background. And I think the native people were pretty natural in the book. Like the skip, the, the guy that the ghost guy or the in the dream that's piloting the ship, uh, the boat early on in the book after the snowstorm, um, he, he's, he was a real person that I knew that we knew too, and was based on him. So he was, you know, all the little native mannerisms like pointing, natives always point with their lips and stuff like that. I tried to include those things. Like if you're, you ask native, well, where, where's the store? They, they point with their lips and stuff. And so Katie, the friend of ours was reading it. She had, had scribbled in the margin, make them point with their lips, make them point with their lips. And then she read further in the manuscript and I had included that in where the, the native guy pointed with his lips. And so there's little native manuals and stuff that I included in it. Again, like I said, I grew up with Winnebago people. I'm not native, but um, it's always been the, just the culture and the, the people and that have always really fascinated me. And we have a lot of good friends that are native up in the UP yet. So. I don't know, does that answer? The question that yeah I got so the response has been really positive from native people and, and a lot of people have friended me on Facebook and continued to follow me and uh, give me a thumbs up and stuff once in a while on, on stuff so I've been really impressed and there's a couple of native people a couple of native women now I'm trying to push to 
keep writing. They they just are do some awesome blog stuff, but they're just not pushing themselves to write. So there's a lot of talent out there. Wow. Well, we're nearing the end of our hour. Any final comments or, or questions? I I think Craig, it's been fascinating. I, I that screener is so exciting. The way you can, you know, I like seeing the floor plans. It, it was that was really fun. Good. And uh, I learned a lot as an author from that. I'm going to friend you on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, the Facebook has been awesome. I, I just did everything I could to resist social media for so long. Uh, but it's just indispensable, I think, for authors in particular. My son is a music producer and, you know, his, he lives in social media, too. And uh, if you're just this day and age, if you're in any kind of art, you just got to you have to do this social media stuff. And it's fun. You know, and I think if you're smart about it, you can have an awful good time and make some good connections with it. I really like it. So yeah, that's so quite <laughs> writing a book means creating connections. That was that's well said. It yeah. really is. You know, and I, I, you know, when I think of the UPPAA, this is a bunch of these are friends now, you know, like Victor and Larry and uh, uh, Michael Clausen and people like that. I finally met him last with Michael and Larry at the in September, you know, and, and it's like we don't know each other forever, right? No, it's like we only seen each other on Zoom, you know. So, but yeah, those connections are just really important, and I'd never dream that writing was, is about connections, you know, and that that's that's really really important. So. Thank you very very much, and um, I will email everybody the recording tomorrow and I will put on their information about how to get next month's book, which is going to be quite a change going from Tyler's biography to a novel, a paranormal novel to um, a little history on hockey. So we are definitely well-rounded. <laughs> All right. Thanks for everything. You've been watching the UP Notable Books Club, brought to you by the Upper Peninsula Publisher and Authors Association. To join or for more information, please visit us at www.upa.org or www.upnotable.com.